Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The Gym Day Podcast is brought to you by Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Now batting, number one in our hearts. At least he'd like to think so. It's the Jim Day Podcast. All right, we welcome you back into the Jim Day Podcast, everyone, as we love to go back in time, although you don't have to go f- too far back for this one. Uh, one of our favorite guys that, uh, to ever wear a Reds uniform made five opening day starts for your Cincinnati Reds. He is Aaron Harang. How you doing, Aaron? Hey, Jim. How's it going? Fantastic. Now, you are coming to us from Paradise, right? Are you in San Diego? I am in San Diego, yes. Oh, we. Uh, I don't me. know how much of a paradise it is right now, though. We got all these nasty wildfires. Yeah. Uh, there's a pretty, pretty good one going on uh, east of us that uh, is giving us a lot of uh, hazy days and a lot of smoke-filled Nashville air, so... Are you in any danger of your home where it is? No, 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 no. Oh, I'm, good. I'm a good, yeah. I'm like 40 miles from it, but wow, but still, yeah. It's, that, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, we're still getting that. You get a westerly wind that blows and picks all that smoke up and blows it out towards the ocean, and it it just covers the whole city. So well, we wish everyone the best there. But when the wildfires aren't going, it is paradise, Aaron. Hooray. <laughs> yeah. It's my favorite stop on the circuit, San Diego, and you hail from there and live from there. Do you realize how blessed you are? Yeah, I'm pretty lucky. I'm kind of a rarity, though, anymore. Uh, it's not a lot of people that can really say they're from San Diego that you know that still live here. It's right. It's just, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I never, I never uprooted. Uh, you know, I always kept my home base here. Uh, even all the years I was playing, I never stayed in uh, one city too long. The only the only place I ever actually had a, a second home was Cincinnati. So, and that was uh, we did consider that our second home. So, is it Brantley living in your house now? <laughs> Brantley is living in my house now. Yes, I, uh, that's right. Yeah, um, I sold it the year after I left. And um, a real estate couple bought it, and then they did some changes to it, and then he ended up buying it from them. And it actually, funny thing is, it backed up to Sean Casey's house. Yeah, my backyard backed up to Sean Casey's house. So, wow, yeah. interesting. Uh, you made your major league debut with Oakland, and then that trade to the Reds. What you came over in two thousand and three. Um, yeah. 
you went on to pitch for your hometown team, the Padres, and I think you had a stint with the Dodgers and Seattle and the Mets and Atlanta and Philadelphia. You went yeah. around the block a couple of times, but uh, I imagine your greatest days were in Cincinnati. Were they not? They were. They were. Uh, you know, I mean, I always consider myself a red, you know, red at heart. And uh, yeah, all those other places were, were short stops on the on the long tour. But uh, I mean, eight eight years, man, is eight years of my life. And my uh, one of my one of my kids basically grew up in Cincinnati. You know, that was yeah. her that was her second home too. And uh, me and my wife loved it. We still have a lot of friends there that we uh, keep in touch with and we uh we came back a couple years ago brought our twins back because they had never been and uh they loved it they had a great time back there uh met a bunch of our friends um they had fun going to a couple of games and went over took them over to uh, newport on the levee and did the hamster balls out there in the pool that's out there during the summer yeah but it's changed it's changed a ton since i've been there last yeah you know, so it was fun for me and my wife to come back and check everything out too. So yeah, um, how many kids you have? Three. I lost track. You got three, so you got twins. Yeah, yeah. Old, my oldest one, a daughter, Addison. Yeah, and then, uh, my twins, Dustin and Kaylee. My wife was pregnant my last year in Cincinnati with the twins. Yeah, what are you doing nowadays to keep yourself busy? Besides being a dad, <laughs> being, being a dad, basically. <laughs> um, you know, I do some stuff with, uh, Tony Gwynn Jr. with his, with the travel ball out here. Mm -hmm. Um, I coordinated and I, um, made up a throwing program for all the levels we have, uh, just for them to work on uh, their shoulder maintenance routines and, you know, proper mechanics throwing. And so I just do that and I'll pop in once in a while or I'll get on their zoom calls and then talk to the kids or go to the practices once in a while. And, you know, talk to them. I haven't really with all this, uh, pandemic stuff going on. It's still been pretty locked down out here. Right. But, uh, yeah, I still try and keep myself involved. I coached my son's little league team, uh, last couple of years. I've had a blast doing that. Really? Yeah. What's it like being a manager <laughs> or a, a coach <laughs> in this instance? Yes. No, it's fun though. It's, you know, I mean, these kids, you know, I get them at their, most raw stage where yeah. they're, you know, I mean, they, most of them don't have an, a clue on how to throw a ball in the right direction. And, <laughs> you know, and so I've had, I've had a handful of them the last three years, which so I've been able to watch them progress. And, and, you know, they're, I, I bring all the dads out, like, you know, and the moms too. I'm like, Hey, if you guys want to come out and help, come help, you know, watch, pay attention to what we're doing because you can help them work on this stuff at home and, you know, get them out there having fun and you, you can have fun with them. And so it, it's, it's a good time. You know, I've, uh, I, I love watching the progression of these kids when they're, you know, as they improve game to game, you know, and I've had a few kids that had never played ever didn't know how to throw by the end of the season. I had them thrown in the right direction and they got a couple hits and you know i think i got more jacked up when they got a hit than they did <laughs> <laughs> that's great but but it's fun you know i have a good time doing it and and i've still 
being a part of the red stuff too. I mean, I go out for spring training for a week yeah. the last three years and, um, you know, and that's a, that's a fun time. And, and I'm staying involved with the, the Reds hall of fame. I've, uh, I know I've been out for a couple fan fests and then I'm out at uh Reds fantasy camp every year for the last past few years. So. That's awesome. We're doing this one, folks, via Zoom, so I can see Aaron. And behind you, is that a Stormy Weathers sign? That is jersey? a Stormy Weathers sign. Nice. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> see, now brother you... from brother from another mother. Absolutely. What... <laughs> now we had Stormy on this podcast, and go into the archives, folks. You can listen to Stormy tell some great stories. He's one of the good storytellers. Uh, but you do. You guys were were close then, and still close now. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I mean, you know, our wives used to joke that if they couldn't find us, they'd call one another and figure out where we were at. Cause we were <laughs> at lunch together. We were out on the golf course together. Well, hey, we were out on the golf course. We were out on the golf course with you a few times. So, <laughs> um, yeah, they, you know, if my wife couldn't get a hold of me, she'd call, call, uh, Kelly. Yeah. Hey, where's, where's David at? Oh, he's at the movies. Okay. That's why Aaron's not answering me. Cause he's at the movies too. So, yeah, we uh, that was what one of the best friendships uh, ever had in, in baseball. Well, you know, and, and we still yeah. talk together. We we talk, and actually, I've seen uh, Ryan's out here in San Diego yeah. right now. Yeah. So I've talked to him. And how about Ryan? I mean, when back then he was this little kid. Uh, uh, he was he was smaller than my my youngest one right now. Yeah, I think he was I think seven or eight. But he was point. hitting bombs. And he ended up being <laughs> yeah. a pitcher, obviously. But yeah, remember Stormy would just every day, nearly, um, yeah, be throwing yeah. balls to him, and he would just be cranking the ball out. And we were all like, "Wow, this this kid can hit." He, but yeah, how's he not a pitcher? Well, he ends up being a pitcher. So yeah, it's it's uh, he could have gone either way. He could have. Yeah. He really could have because he was a pretty dominant hitter as well yeah but uh you know he just he had more of the wherewithal uh you know to be a pitcher and the smarts to be a pitcher so well when you're left-handed man you gotta <laughs> that, that that definitely helps <laughs> definitely Dude. helps yeah i imagine david the the first day that uh he he threw a ball ryan and it, he threw it left-handed it was like wait throw that again was that left-handed <laughs> yeah He's Wait, left-handed. Sure gonna... He's probably celebrating. He's left-handed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Ryan's actually doing really well. Yeah, he is. He's uh, doing really well. So. Yeah. One of my, uh, you know, even though the records weren't there, those teams you were on with the Reds, um, the, some of my favorite teams to cover because there were so many characters on the team. And so oh, many... Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So many personalities. It's only, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, nowadays you don't, you just don't get as many personalities. I don't know. Um, but well, you know, I think you don't see as many personalities because they're so jammed on their iPads and phones and stuff. Yeah. They don't, you don't see them come out cause they're not interacting. And right. I mean, that was, that was the big thing, you know, with that group, I mean, we had, we had guys, we went out to dinner all the time. Guys were hanging out and, you know, playing, having video game sessions, Halo video game sessions. I mean, we had that, that big screen in the uh, yeah. lounge in the, in the clubhouse and we'd have Halo session. I mean, guys would show up at 1230 in the afternoon to play 
two hours of Halo <laughs> right. before we started doing anything. Yeah, so. I can't tell you the amount of times that we would go out to eat as broadcasters, especially when we got into a city, right when we got into a city, and we'd go and there'd be a group, a whole table of Reds players already yeah. eating, already sitting there, of course, in a special seat while we're waiting to be seated. Us lowly broadcasters. <laughs> hey, you got you got to call ahead, man. That was what it was. You, you had to you had to have the right guy call ahead as well. Well, that's what I'm saying. A lot, sometimes it was Griffey. So you know yeah. who, who's going to get the special seat? Us lowly broadcasters or Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. But I mean, you got you know Don and Griffey and Danny Graves and David Weathers and we haven't even mentioned Sean Casey. So yeah, just so many personalities. Now I want to ask you something because we we talked previously to starting to record this, um, and Casey was on this podcast a couple of times, and I want to tell you legendary performances. His his storytelling <laughs> is, is off the charts. Um, but he told the story in Chicago where they had you guys had beaten the Cubs. It was a big series for them. And you went into Chicago and beat them. And then on the bus, he went into a bar in Chicago. I would love to hear this story from someone else's perspective that was on that bus. (laughs) Okay. And it led up to like, it was a crazy series. They, they, we were playing, it was a four game series and it was to get, it was between them and the Astros. I think it was Oh four. And, uh, yeah, we we lost the first game and then we won the next two and then the last game, uh, I was actually pitching against Pryor that last game and we were matching each other inning for inning. Uh, and Sosa took me deep in like the third inning, and then uh, Kearns took Pryor deep in the four, top of the fourth, and then it stayed one to one and we went through into the twelfth, and I think we came back we. Uh, I think Javier, I think it was Javier Valentin got a hit and scored two. I think we, if I remember right, we beat him three to one. And so we finished the game up and we're running up the tunnel and Casey's even, you know, the tunnel going up to the clubhouse, you're running up over the, the fans and Casey pulls the screen to the side, and, you know, yells, Oh, the Reds said to suck it or something like, you know, something <laughs> to that effect, you know, his favorite term is suck it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you could hear a pin drop in that, in that tunnel way there. It was crazy. Um, but so, yeah, so we, we get ready to go and we're leaving and we pull out of state, you know, pull out of the uh, front of Wrigley there. And, you know, of course we're getting flipped off the cubby bear, everybody in the bar is flipping us off and <laughs> music's down at a, at a mute tone instead of blasting. Cause yeah. they just got knocked out and they weren't going to the playoffs. They were going right. home in three days. So, um, and we're driving down, uh, the main street heading to the airport and we hit the uh, stop sign down the road. And as we're going through the intersection, Casey jumps up and comes barreling up to the front of the bus. Bussy, stop the bus, stop the bus. So he pulls over <laughs> and Casey just open the doors. I need to get off. I need to get off. He, he was sprinting out of the bus into the, and we look and we're like, where's he going? He forgets something back in the stadium or what? And he goes beelining into the, this bar on the corner. And we're like, what's going on? And then probably 15 seconds later, here comes Casey and all is in all his glory, just sprinting out of the bar. And I mean, you know, Casey's not as swift a foot as everybody else, but 
he's trucking out of the, you know, arms and legs going a million miles an hour. And there's about six dudes chasing him out of the bar. And he jumps back on the bus and the bus and we're telling the bus driver start driving, you know, let Casey jump on the bus. And so he, we start to take off and Casey jumps on and he slams the door shut. And these six guys are just pounding on the side of the bus. And I think, uh, I think Jason LaRue flipped the emergency hatch on the roof and jumps up there and he's yelling at him, you know, standing up on the seats, yelling out at the guys from the, from the roof of the bus, basically. Uh, and we're banging on the windows and they're beating on the side of the bus. And it was, yeah, it was <laughs> pretty amazing. So we asked Casey after we take off and these guys chase us for half a block beating on the side of the bus too. And, uh, yeah, we get down there and, we're like, Casey, what'd you say? And he said, I ran in there and said, the red said to suck it. Hope you guys enjoy watching the Astros in the playoffs this year <laughs> and turned around and went running out of the bar. And yeah, all those guys chased, they were so mad at them, but that was one of the classics I've ever seen. I, you know, we're all sitting on the bus, like wondering what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Like what, what's Casey doing? I mean, he had no clue. Didn't say a word to anybody. I think he didn't even think he was going to do it. He just jumped up and did it. <laughs> well, he said but he had to was... get Larkin's approval. Like the bus, he looked back at Larkin said, and Larkin's like, let him out. Let him out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm still, I'm, I'm still, I was still a, a young guy. So I'm sitting yeah. up at the front of the bus. You know, I wasn't allowed to be near the back where those other guys were, but it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. <laughs> and didn't you say that you met someone from Cincinnati or a Reds fan, at least that was in that bar? Yeah. There, there was, yeah, I and I'm, I can't recollect where it was. I, it might have been, even might have been somebody even at fantasy camp. If, yeah, and it's probably where it's, you know, you meet everybody from fantasy camp. But uh, he's like, he's like, hey, were you on that team when Casey ran into that bar in Chicago? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, dude, I was sitting in that bar having some drinks with some buddies after because we left the game early. You know, it was a long game. And he said, all of a sudden, here this guy comes running in and tells all the Cubs fans to suck it. And <laughs> I, said, I mean, and when he said it exactly that way, I'm like, oh, that's Sean Casey saying that. I mean, yeah. you know, so we were, we were, I was cracking up about that because it's like, what, what are the chances? But yeah, yeah. one of the, one of the all time mm -hmm. stories. Oh yeah, and uh, you, folks, you can go back in the archives and hear Sean Casey tell the story. He's a little more fired up when he tells the story as in pure <laughs> Sean Casey fashion. But uh, yeah. I think it was the first episode we did with Casey. It might have been like even way back, episode number three of this podcast, which was just an all-timer. So uh, that's great stuff. You, I mean, you never knew for what I was doing for the team. It was, it was great to have guys that had personalities and stories to tell. It was always, I mean, a lot of things I couldn't tell on the air. Most of the things that went on, I couldn't tell on the air. And there are yeah. certain secrets that I'll take to my grave. People are like, you know, you ought to write a book. I'm like, I can't. I can't. It just, it, I would be, you there's, know, I would be there, lying. I'd be holding, withholding stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, uh, yeah, you'd take that to the grave and you'd know that there's just things you, you can't ever. Talk oh, there's about. certain things I've seen and heard that just, uh, no. It would. <laughs> you gotta have that trust, even after those those guys are no longer players. Um, but when you had like Dunn and Griffey, you just never knew what was going to happen on a on a daily basis or what was going to yeah. be said. 
Um, <laughs> no. We were reliving a, a story that, uh, in, in fact, the, the, the plane rides, the team plane, uh, was always interesting. And yeah, <laughs> I just laughed thinking about it. Dunn and Griffey and the late Ryan Friel, may he rest in peace. Um, yep. Can you, uh, what was it, a bet, a dairy, or money, money it, involved? It, yeah, it was, it was, oh, I'm sure there was money involved. Usually those, those kind of dares always involve money, but <laughs> it was something to the effect of they were, they, yeah, it was, they wanted to see if Friel could fit in an overhead compartment on an airplane right i yeah. mean those things hold a ton of ton of weight too because you fit a ton of baggage in there. oh yeah and so he's like yeah okay whatever and they, you know they were joking oh we'll give you you know a hundred bucks or something just to even jump up in there yeah okay all right that works well conveniently they tried to they did it right as we're as we're getting ready to take off so he jumps up there and he jumps in they're like they're like we're, hey we're gonna shut the door and see if you see if you fit in there comfortably he's like yeah okay and so they shut the door, but then they wouldn't let him out. <laughs> and so he's pounding on the door. Let me out. Let me you know. And then lo and behold, the plane ends up taking off and he's <laughs> still in the overhead compartment. <laughs> and then as soon as we got up in the air, they let him out. And he's like, dude, that was not cool. That was not, not very funny. <laughs> like he was, but I mean, we were all cracking up laughing. It was, but that was Ryan, you know, he just, oh, okay, whatever. You know, he would, yeah. he'd do it. You know, it was, I can't imagine. So, I'd be claustrophobic in there. It was dark, yeah. and then oh, you're taking was, yeah, off, he, and those things shake when you're. Yeah, yeah, uh, taking off. Yeah, yeah. So I think Dunner sat Dunner sat there in the seat and was like holding it shut when we uh, <laughs> when it was taken off. And as soon as we as soon as we got off the ground, they let him out. You know, it was probably it was probably 15 seconds, maybe, but yeah, he, it was that was a uh, that was a funny one. Well, on the airplanes, and you guys did some surfing on the plane. And what this was, folks, is on takeoff, or particularly on takeoff, but on landing, what you would put magazines underneath your feet. And by the way, don't try this at home. Yeah. <laughs> this would <laughs> no, not go would, over it, well, particularly it, in today's airline industry. And, and this no, is a chartered it, plane, so we're not, uh, you know, we're not on there with other civilian so it's only uh, us on there but what's yeah, plane surfing a, it was just uh you take a like a slick surface magazine or laminated card or something and just put it under your feet and you'd stand in the middle of the aisle and hold on and on takeoff as soon as it would launch and they'd start climbing really fast you let go and you just slide right down the aisle towards the back of the plane and you'd get going fast. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a few wipeouts, you know. Well, Danny Graves, sure. and he again, he talked about this on this podcast. Go check that out in the archives. But he had one where he went. I mean, what did he do? He hit one of the armrests. Yeah, something. He was like sliding down towards the back of the plane, hit an armrest, and like did a barrel roll down the back of the aisle into the <laughs> stewards area in the very back where they have all the sodas and stuff. Yeah, uh, that was. <laughs> and then he jumps up and he's like, "I think I'm all right." That was a pretty good wipeout, though. <laughs> yeah. I just remember the first time it ever happened. We are, you know, back then, you guys would be in the back of the plane, and coaches would be in first class, and then in the middle is the other Reds personnel, and they'd have a few seats for the broadcasters. And he would 
get started clear up by first class so he could go clear down the aisle. I didn't see him do this. I didn't see him get ready for it. So when we're taking off, all of a sudden this just out of the corner of my eye just zoop, just zips by me. <laughs> like, what was that? I turn <laughs> yeah. around and it's like Danny Graves. <laughs> and he yeah. is uh, flying down the aisle. Yeah, uh, yeah, you had to be you had to be really stealth about it. You had to just you yeah. had to walk up to the front like you were going to talk to one of the coaches or whatever and then they just They'd sit down, you know, and they'd have the little sheets on with them. And as soon as, you know, we start to accelerate, they jump up, throw the sheets on the, <laughs> the aisle way and jump up on them and let go. And just you go ripping down that aisle. Yeah, I think but, yeah, he tried you, one on landing, too, and he ended up in the coach's area, which <laughs> didn't go over real well because he crashed there, too. Yeah. And they're like, you're I, a closer. Easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, those are, I mean. Did you try it? That, I did try it. I didn't go very far just because I was, <laughs> I think I got too nervous. I didn't want to wipe out because I had seen, <laughs> seen a vicious wipeout. I think, uh, I think Mike Leak did it one time. Oh yeah, I do going. remember. But he, Lee, was, yeah. but he was, he was skiing. He wasn't surfing. He was skiing. So he's haunched down in the front and like he's getting ready to slalom ski or something. It was hilarious. Was that 2010? Yeah. Yeah. How? Yeah, because that was his. Yeah. I, that was his first year, and I think I think uh, somebody was like, might have been Bronson, made him do it. You know, it's one of the older guys. Be like, all of right, course. get up there, yeah. get up there, rookie. You gotta, you know, prove your <laughs> prove your uh, surfing <laughs> ski skills. He did it. It was it was pretty funny. Bronson was one of those classic teammates. Uh, how? Oh, yeah. What uh, What was it like being a teammate of Arroyo? Oh, I, you know. I mean, obviously, you were, you were had to listen to the music all the time, you know, because that's all he, he he didn't even see at halftime. You didn't even see him carrying stuff. He was just carrying his guitar around. Yeah, you know, you'd see him getting on the plane, but then you'd hear him jamming in the back of the plane a little bit before we take off, and and uh, you know, he he'd just go play random places, and we get into town, and yeah, he's he's special special guy. <laughs> 2010 that was your last year at the reds was it not what a yeah uh, but what a cool year that was yeah as a team yeah. at least yeah no it was uh it, it was it was a cool time um good group of guys a lot of a lot of younger guys uh that year they had a lot of fire in them yeah. um and then yeah it was just uh it was kind of a, that was a, a, I know it was a tougher year for me because I was dealing with injuries. Right. And, you know, I'd been, I'd been struggling and, you know, so I was changing a lot of things, trying to change things mechanically and ended up causing me uh, back issues. And so that put me on the shelf for a while. And then I was just never able to, never able to get back to where I needed to be. Um, you know, so I did a I did a lot more watching that year, which was was a bummer. But uh, you know, it was an exciting exciting time for the city of Cincinnati. And I think I really think I talked about it with a few guys um, that 06 team that uh, I think had we not pulled that uh, Kearns Felipe Lopez Ryan Wagner trade, I think we uh, we would have stuck it out and made the made the playoffs that year. 
Yeah, that was one of the uh, – and you had a good year that year. You were uh, – well, you won 16 games that year. Uh, yeah. yeah. 3.76 ERA. I mean, that's getting it done and 35 and starts. Bronson had, yeah. Me and Bronson both had 35 starts, and he was – he led the league in innings pitched, and I was third right. by a third of an inning. I think Brandon Webb had me by a third of an inning. Between me and him, I mean, we had almost 500 innings. Right. Yeah, no, that... know, which is, is which is unheard of. <laughs> you know, having two guys that have that many innings, and I think our our three guy, who at the time before I think he got hurt was Belisle, and he had, he was on pace to throw 200 innings that that year, and I think before he had a back issue. Right. I think he still finished up with like 270 or something, or 170. Yeah, that was I mean, uh, 06, man. Gosh, yeah. I'll let you bring it up when I look down at my screen. Well, here. Yeah. and you get rid of, you got rid of, of Kernsey and Felipe, which yeah. protected Dunner and Griff. Right. You know, all of a sudden Dunner and Griff got pitched around the second half of the season after that, tra- after mm-hmm. that trade. Yep. 07, you won 16 games in 07. 16 and 6. 727 yeah. winning percentage. You made 34 starts that year. So, uh, 06, 07, when you think about the best Aaron Harang, are those the years you go to? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and that was, those were the years that, you know, I just overpower guys and, you know, I would just pinpoint control and, you know, but I, I didn't care. I was, and you know what's funny is, Everybody I know when Bronson came in, I know there was a lot of people like, Oh, you guys are two totally different pitchers and you know, he's having a great year and you're you know, how do you kind of look at that? And do me and him, like, we fed off each other. It was the funniest thing. We just had this we had a weird relationship, you know, and our lockers were two down, but we would talk smack to each other all the time. Like, really? Oh yeah, you think that last start was good? Watch this one. You know, I mean it was like we just we egged each other on. Wow, that's great. We, we always talk as broadcasters about the inner competition, and some people are like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You're just trying to build something up. But there Dude, was, there's no, inner competitions but, in the team. But, like, I was I was his number one fan, you yeah. know, when he was out there pitching because it's like I, I, my next start, I wanted to one-up him somehow. And, yeah. it was, and he did. He was the same way. Well, you know, we, we cheered each other on and, and, you know, pushed each other to just be better. Yeah, and and we fed off it, and I mean, it showed in the numbers right. those couple of years. Well, can you you, know, that's, you talk about overpowering guys? Could you imagine not having the ability to do that? I mean, when I watched Arroyo pitch, it was amazing to me. Well, you know, it's it's a chess game. Everybody, you know, everybody thinks it's all about power, you know, and it's it's there's a lot of chess playing in the in the the game, you know. I found. And I got better at it the last, you know, three or four years pitching is, you know, I knew there was times I would go out there and I'd purposely pitch around guys because, you know, I wasn't, you know, maybe the guy was hot hitting right now. So I'd, I'd try and bait him to swing at some some garbage, but I knew I could get the next guy out. Right. So I'd almost purposely, purposely walk this guy without intentionally walking him which intent, the intentional walk thing just baffles me nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, and 
this with you know another thing going back to Bronson, it was me and him were like we didn't want to come out of games. Right. You know, you almost had to you had to to like there's a few times that I think it was Pete McCann and he'll and he'll tell the story too, where when he was the interim manager, he took over for Naren, I think in 07. And he had a couple games, but there was the one I went 10 innings and I was through nine with like 99 pitches and it was one to one. And he's like, all right, that's it. And I looked at, I told him no way. I said, you're not pulling me out of this game. I don't even have a hundred pitches yet. And he goes, no, that's it. You know, I can't, can't go nine, you know, more than nine. I go, well, I'm going back out there. Watch. And he was like, <laughs> what? And he was, you know, they're getting ready to call down to the bullpen. And I said, I'm going back out there. And I said, if you want to take me out, you're going to have to come and wrestle me off that field. And I don't like your odds of that. Wow. And he was like, <laughs> oh, okay. And I said, I need 12 pitches. I'll get through the inning in 12 pitches. He's like, all right, one more. So I went out and I think 11 pitches later, I come back in, you know, pitched the pitch 10th inning. And that was one of the coolest ovations I ever got, you know, was, was going out to pitch a 10th inning. You know, I'm still, did I still get chills thinking about that now? Cause it was like, that's a rarity. Oh, anybody yeah, even, even you got to go back I to mean, like the sixties and seventies for stories yeah. like that. And so to go back out and, and get to pitch, you know, 10th inning, that was, that was awesome. Wow. Um, and of course we, you know, we just offensively, we were struggling at the time, so <laughs> we couldn't score. We ended up winning in like the 12th, but, um, yeah, that was a, that was a, a fun game. And that, yeah, he was, he'll still tell, he'll still tell the story. He even got called by, uh, I think it was Krivsky at the time. Really? And Krivsky called, yeah, Krivsky called him that night was like, what are you doing? And he said, well, Aaron told me he's going to kick my ass if I didn't <laughs> let him go back out. He's like, you going to, you going to tell him to stop? And he said, no. And he's like, okay. He goes, he didn't get above his pitch count anyway. So he's fine. Yeah. I really liked Pete McCannon. He was, uh, uh I really I to, liked I to, him. I, I thought that they should have given him a chance. I thought so too. I thought so too, you know, and, I got to play for him, uh, be with him in Philly my last year. Mm -hmm. He was a bench coach in Philly, and so we had a we had a great time. Yeah, I love Pete, man, and and so many guys did too. That was the thing is, yeah, you know, it was looked across as he just never got a a, a fair shot to to see what he could do because. Yeah, I mean, it he was a great, great guy. Yeah, I mean, it worked out well. You know, Dusty Baker comes in here, and also, oh yeah, <clears throat> you're winning, and and. Uh, you know, the Reds went to the playoffs three out of four years. I want to get your take on something that involves Dusty. When, when people talk about when you started to have your struggles, I think you know yeah. where I'm going here. San Diego. <laughs> I know exactly where you're going. <laughs> I think we've had this conversation before, too, just you and me. But yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised that one was coming because <laughs> I get that one a lot. And, yeah. uh, and just you know, to set it up for people that don't know, you, it was an extra inning game in San Diego. I think it was yeah. a getaway day too. Um, See, it was a getaway getaway day. We had a it was a four game series. Yeah. Um, I pitched on Thursday. Right. And then you know through my normal normal time, you know, did my normal side on Saturday, 
and we're getting away on Sunday, you know, and I'm just hanging out watching the game, you know, but I'm paying attention. I'm watching, you know, and all of a sudden we're start going extra innings and I'm looking down. I'm like, we don't have anybody else in the bullpen. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't fare well on Thursday. I think I only lasted five innings on Thursday. And so, you know, I felt fine. I think I only threw like 70 pitches or something. I just, I didn't, didn't have it. And so felt good enough. And so I think it was probably, I don't even remember how many innings did we go in that game? It was a lot. It was like, it was like 18 or 18, something. 18, I think. I believe 16. it was 18. I, I don't know. It felt I threw, like I threw, 25. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, uh, yeah. So I went to Dusty and I go, Hey, look, you know, I said, I'm, I'm good. I feel good. You know, I'm not spent from the other day. I said, if you need an inning, you know, inning or two, if I, I mean, if I can get, give you 30 pitches, I said, I'll be, I'll be fine. And, you know, on that point when you're, you're kind of the, one of the top pitchers and the horse, one of the workhorses on the team, you're just like, you know, Hey, I got this. I can help you out. Let me, you know, and just being a gamer, it was just that, that mentality I had. You know, and so they said, okay, you know, go down, maybe give us one. We had already wasted our long guy. And then, uh, yeah, lo and behold, uh, we get into the, I think it was the 12th inning. And uh, I go out there, went one, two, three. And I think I threw probably nine pitches. So I'm like, hey, I got another one. Pitcher spot isn't coming up in the, in the order for you know, another five five or six guys i said i get you another inning okay went out through another inning ended up having to go up and ended up my spot came up and it was just a bunt situation so he didn't want to waste a waste another hitter i think he hit was he only had like one hitter left so i'm like just let me go up i'll lay the bunt down move him over and then let the guys hit him in and they ended up making some miraculous plays i ended up going out for the third inning and I'm just throwing fastballs. I think I threw, um, I threw a total of 63 pitches through four, yeah. punched out nine. And out of the 63 pitches, I threw three sliders. The rest were fastballs. Wow, I did yeah. not know that. And I didn't was, look up the the pitch selection. Wow. Yeah, and I threw all three sliders to Brian Giles. <laughs> yeah, so. So you go four uh, innings. It was an 18 inning game, go, by the way. Yeah. Um, go four go four innings Volquez came in and threw two after that and yeah. gave up a walk off to Adrian Gonzalez right but they look at that as the beginning of what turned you know they, they say Dusty Baker ruined Aaron Harang by doing that yeah well what, no, that what's was, your take I fought I was I was arguing with Dusty for like an inning and a half to go out there and, and pitch and I was like, listen, if I can go out there and do it, you know, I'll get an extra day or whatever. And I was like, I'll be fine. You know, I didn't throw a lot of pitches last week and you know, I feel strong. I mean, obviously I was strong that day, <laughs> but I think what happened in the long run, which I didn't, I didn't press and like, it was kind of a, uh, between all of us. I mean, it was, but it was just me being a gamer and going out there and pitching. I think in the long run, I didn't, take the right amount of days rest off and so my legs were just never back underneath me mm-hmm. 
well, you know, going out there, sometimes you just, you didn't have your legs. So you had to kind of make things up. And I just got myself in a bad habit of changing arm slot and, and not being recovered enough. Yeah. And, you know, and mechanically it just, I, I went down, down the drain, but now, you know, everybody points the finger at Dusty. Dusty could have easily fought back with me and, you know, told me no, but I was being so stubborn and persistent that I was going to go in and pitch and throw innings because we had nobody else to do it. Right. Well, to Dusty's credit, he's always just taken, taken it in that situation. Yeah. So, and I knew that you had lobbied to stay, to go in, stay in. And Dusty had always just, just taken it. You know what's funny? You know what's funny is that same thing happened. You know, everybody points a finger with with Pryor and Kerry Wood in Chicago. But they, and I've I've talked to Pryor about it because I'm buddies with Pryor. He's from San Diego. So Mm -hmm. we, we faced each other and stuff before, even back in college. And the same mentality. Hey, let me go. And I got this. Let me stay, you know, just fighting, fighting. And when you're the workhorse, you, you take the, you know, yeah. you, you go in there and, and do the work. Yep. And, you know, but I don't, I don't ever blame Dusty for that. I blame myself more than anything. Cause I could have very easily said, look, I need more rest or no, I can't do it. And, but that wasn't the type of teammate I was. I was going to, if I going to help us win a game, I'm going to go in and do it. Yeah. And you it, know, and so that was, it was just the mentality I had. Be, be part of the team and, and do what it takes to, to help the team win. And, you know, did it, did it affect me for a bit? Yeah. But do I, do I blame anybody else? No. Cause I could have easily, you know, shut myself down, but it's just, the mentality I had when I was on the field. And as the mentality of the game at that point, I look at the early 2000s as kind of the last hurrah of that form of player. I mean, nowadays they give, they'll push guys back. They'll give guys that, not that they didn't do it in your era, but um, there's a lot more of just telling guys, all right, listen, you're not pitching. We are giving you extra days or guys asking for extra days. It's just changed a a bit. They're certainly much more cognizant of injuries nowadays. And it changed really quickly right around yeah. 2010 i think it started changing yeah well it, you know what i mean it's a lot more money even even and and i'm not saying it's that it, we weren't making a lot of money at the point i was playing but it's even more than that yeah. you know and it's uh so i understand why they do it yeah i'd have a hard time <laughs> doing it right now I'd probably be getting a lot of arguments with the managers. Yeah, about, it's just your mentality. You know, That's just the way you came up my, in the game. Man. And the funny thing is, talking about Bronson too, and you know, there was times that we went we went in at one point where we had a stint where we weren't sure who the fifth guy was going to be, and me and Bronson were like, "Let's go in and talk to him." We we tried to lobby to go on three days rest a couple times. Wow. And we both did at one point. I know I did. Yeah. I did in an emergency situation in Milwaukee and have thrown a complete game shutout <laughs> wow. on a getaway day, you know, cause I think it was, uh, Eric getaway Milton. day, complete game shutouts. I love those. Oh, uh, well, and so day. think of that. That's, that's like two and a half days off that I really had. I didn't even have a full three Yeah, because it's a day it was a 12 o'clock. It was a yeah. 12 o'clock game. Yeah. You know, so, but that was just the mentality. Hey, all right. 
you, you need somebody here. I'm here. You know, I'll, I'll pick up this. I'll try and pick up the slack. That was, but you know, yeah, you just, you don't see that as much anymore. Yep. You certainly don't. All right, I want to get your thoughts on this or yeah. wrap this bad boy up. You're on the great American ballpark mound. There's a fly ball to right. You're like, all right, it's probably going to be near the wall. It got me an out. And it flies in the first row at Great American Ballpark. The, cl- <laughs> the classic GABP home run is what we call it. I yeah. know that that was particularly aggravating to you. It's been aggravating to many, many pitchers. We were like, wow, that'd be a fly yeah. ball anywhere else, but that got out. How? I, yeah. I, at, su- at one point, you were like, hey, can we just, just cut out two rows or, or raise the, the wall you know, a couple of feet? Yeah. You'll be amazed at the amount of home runs that uh, – you know, won't happen. How frustrating was that? Yeah, I brought that up at one point and got crucified. For you did, <laughs> but I did. Yeah, you know, uh, got a lot of got a back a lot of backlash. But you know, and it wasn't, I, and I wasn't doing. I you know, I mean, it was a general consensus from everybody. Well, I it's a general consensus when, when you, for me. When, I, if you take just the first two rows getting, out, when you were getting okay, well. You know how Philly has their seats, right? Yeah. And their their wall on left, and then they have the the pocket, you know, flower bed, whatever, so nobody can reach over. I mean, right. mine was you level it up, not even center field, just from that, um, kind of the the far corner where the turf is. Yeah. Raise it up even with left field, and just go straight across. That would that would cut out two rows basically because you could con- fill it in. You didn't have to push the fence back. You just fill it in, right? And raise it up, you know, four feet. You'd, you'd a lot of line drives that were shooting into the first row. Um, you know, pop ups that went in the first row. They might hit the top of the wall and and ricochet back in. You know, it was. But, I mean, it was also different when we didn't have the front gate sweet upstairs upstairs you yeah. remember that wind that jet stream that would come through oh, there yeah. come right through there and blow that ball out oh you know yeah so that <laughs> these that are painful memories i know you know, that, i'm so you know, sorry that changed. <laughs> but the funny thing is is when you had opposing players making comments like oh yeah that should that should have been a long single or maybe a double but yeah i remember i i gave up the one home run i gave up to barry bonds he hit in in Cincinnati and he hit it and he slammed his bat on the ground cause he thought he popped it up and it went out and it, it went in the first row. Yeah. And, and he, I remember he told, uh, cause, um, he told Dick Pohl cause Dick Pohl had had him was with him in, uh, San Francisco at one point. And he's like, dude, I would, I'd hit a thousand homers if I played in this ballpark. <laughs> cause San <laughs> Francisco know? to hit it to right. Oh, that's a tough to home run. It. You had, you had, had to, to crush, crush it. it. And think about how many splashdowns I mean, that anywhere. he had. Now, whether he was oh. aided by whatever, you know, that's a different that's argument. Not. But to uh, the balls he hit in the had, water there. He had the best eye yeah. at the plate. He would get like he one knew, pitch a he, game and hit it out. And crush it. Yeah. Well, think of it, the the series, uh, what was it, Oh two when they were playing the Angels. And there's the the video of him hitting the one off of uh, Percival up into the fog in Anaheim. Yeah. And you see Tim Salmon on the steps. You read his lips. That's the furthest ball I've ever seen hit. You know, but 
I remember my rookie because I faced him in 02, you know, my rookie year when we had the Bay Series when I was in Oakland. And I threw, I challenged him. I got up there, I'm like, here it is. And I mean, I just gave it all I got right down the pipe. I want to see how far you can hit it. And the first time he, first one he swung at and he fouled it back. And he kind of steps out of the box and he just kind of looks down at the ground and looks at his bat and it's just like, just nods his head like, okay, this kid wants to go. And he, all of a sudden that foot starts digging in a little harder. And I was like, oh crap, here we go. <laughs> I just pissed him off. <laughs> and I, so I'm like, screw it, whatever. Did it again through the same exact pitch, a little higher. And he fouled it straight back. And it was like, the ball never came down to his bat. And so he just clipped it just underneath it and shot it straight back. And he shook his head again and boom, that foot's digging in a little tighter now. And then I just, I threw four right to the outside corner. And I mean, they probably missed not even to the white of the chalk. It was I mean, probably an inch off all four of them. He took all four of them and walked wow. and spit on all four of them. And I'm like, most, most, um, well, and obviously he had to bury bond strikes on too, but yeah, most umpires are punching a guy out yeah. on that borderline pitch at that time. Yeah. You know, you get that pitch like that moves just off the corner of the plate. They're going to ring him up. Not Barry. He went, he, and he tracked all four of them. He literally oh, yeah. watched all four of them. Well, it he, wasn't just a, just a stand there. It was a, he tracked every single one right to the glove. Like that's off. Yeah, he would umpire his own at bats. The umpires got to the point where, like, his eye is so good that if he took that pitch, oh, it was probably a ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was. If yeah. he's spitting on that, it's not a strike. Yeah, you wow, know? that that's crazy. So. Well, Aaron, that it, uh, it's great to see you, man. Uh, always yeah, great to hear you. You're one of my favorite dudes. I say that a lot on this podcast, but uh, that's uh, one thing about baseball. You run into a lot of of cool guys and cool people in yeah. general so uh i appreciate you coming on the podcast and reliving some stories but uh it's been great catching up with you man yeah you too lots of love to your family and the kids and uh hope those wildfires get under control so you can get back to just living in paradise which very <laughs> yeah i love cincinnati but san diego oh special place in my heart all right, All right everyone. Well, hey, great, great talking to you, Jim. Appreciate it. All right, Aaron. That's Aaron Harang. If you would like to check me out on social media, it's at Jim Day TV, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, thanks for clicking on us, spread the word, and rate and review this podcast, and we will see you on down the road. So long, everyone. <laughs>